How's it going? This is Kenneth, and you're listening to The Kilted Preacher. How's it going? Uh, If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining in. Uh, If you've tuned in for the umpteenth time, thank you so much for your continual support. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and up front uh, apologize for those who are tuning in new and don't know. I kind of record wherever, whenever I can, so you might hear some background noises. Not really much I can do about that, but uh, let me just uh, move on. So I wanted to get this podcast out as quickly as I could. Uh, It was from a vision that out. At the same time, I can't help but think about um, things that have gone on, like, from a year ago up until, like, this point, like September last year, all the way through this point. If uh, you're tuning in for the first time, so... I got healed of a serious birth defect um, that reared its ugly head really when I turned 30. It was starting to, I would say, it was starting to, I'd say, around when I was 28, but really started being extremely problematic from about 30 to 32. Um, And my recollection actually could be messed up about that but you uh you know I'll, I'll clear that up later anyways um so essentially um what i was dealing with was called erythropoietic porphyria it's a type of it's very similar to um or what i was dealing with was very similar to acute intermittent porphyria And essentially, my blood was not able, or my body was not able to uh, create new blood cells. And the blood cells it was creating uh, were not correct, if that makes sense. So, um, it was caused by anemia. And anemia does not actually uh, necessarily mean... Iron deficiency, anemia actually means you have a low blood count. There's like a low volume of blood in your body. A lot of times it is caused by iron deficiency. And um, that's what was going on. There was an iron deficiency in my body. It was a birth defect. And so because of that, my body was not using iron molecules to form red blood cells. It was using zinc molecules to form blood cells and with a higher amount of zinc running through my body it was essentially causing uh, heavy metal poisoning which was then uh, scarring my liver as a CT scan uh, pointed out and that was essentially affecting everything um, there was times I'd get a bit delirious um it almost created like from the way my wife describes it it was like some days i was dr jekyll and mr hyde and it's like i couldn't tell when i was being that way sometimes i don't even recall conversations that we had um my memory was shot um i was also dealing with neuropathy and then Right before I got healed, it was getting pretty scary with uh, some some seizures. It was like happening pretty frequently. Uh, so there was there was a lot going on, and it was just one of those things. There was no one to really blame. I'm sure life decisions I made prior to coming to Christ really didn't help, and probably you know made those situations worse. Um, when when I was actively believing God, like when I realized there was a problem and when I was actively believing God for healing, the thing that came to mind was was um, when Paul was shipwrecked and the snake uh, had come out of the uh, firewood that he had bundled and thrown in the fire. 
and it latched onto them and the natives there they were like oh we know this viper like this is this is some kind of divine retribution this man must obviously have been a murderer uh you know prior to him coming here and he just shook it off he uh cast it into the fire he shook it off into the fire and and acted like it was nothing and it was nothing it didn't kill him when it was supposed to um and the Lord told me, just, just shake this off. So I was believing. I was like, okay, God, I'm just shaking this off. And it got, it got pretty grueling. I'll be honest. Now, here's the thing about healing. There has been several people that God has healed, that I've seen God heal. And there has been several people that God would have me lay hands on people. They get healed while I was dealing with this issue. Now, let me tell you something, though. God is not broken. God is never broken. And I will say this to the day I die. It wasn't that God couldn't heal me. It's that there was something which the night I got healed, I realized what the problem was. There was something in me that was preventing me from believing and receiving the fullness of my healing. It wasn't God that was broke. It was me that was broken. Um, but I fully believe, I still fully believe that God uses me to heal the sick, to uh, cast off demons, to uh, God. God's desire for me on this earth is to break off all oppression on those who are oppressed by the devil and to preach the gospel. I believe that is my sole purpose for existence on this earth is, is I mean, that it's for me, it's I either want to be with the Lord or I want to progress the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. I, I have no middle ground. Um, as my wife can tell you, like this sounds horrible, but there's been many a nights uh, when I was dealing with this many a nights, I was like, God, if you're not going to heal me, just take me now. And it wasn't that I was suicidal. It was, you know, if I'm useless, why keep me here? You know, if I'm not going to get healed and I believe, I think I believe you for healing, but I'm not getting healed. Like, what's the point if I'm not getting healed? And that's kind of where I stood um, up until shortly before I got healed. Shortly before I got healed, I I just had to be open and honest with my wife. Like, look, this is what I'm dealing with. And she was there to give me a swift kick in the pants and be like, hey, you know, this is what the word of God says. This is what the Lord's saying over you. And I had to receive that correction. It was like a Habakkuk 2-2 kind of moment. Like, this is how I feel. Now I'm going to sit back and I'm going to receive my correction because I know I know my, my, my vision's off a bit. So we had one of those moments. And then a friend of ours uh, from church told us about a meeting that Kenneth Hagin Jr. was having uh, in South Arlington on a particular night. I think it was like September 14th last year. And, um, that's when, uh, God healed me and it was an instantaneous healing. And you say, how do I know? Well, like I said, I dealt with neuropathy. And so the, being able to move freely without excruciating pain was an immediate telltale sign to me. Um, I felt completely trapped and entrapped and imprisoned within my own body. Uh, not being able to move like I wanted to, not being able to, I lost my strength. Um, and I felt imprisoned in my own mind. Like it was like I was here some days and then next thing you know, without even realizing it's like two weeks had passed, but you know, I thought it was just the next day. Like time was just slipping by. I was, I felt imprisoned in my own mind. I would get home and and I found out, like, I said some really hurtful things. And I don't even remember doing that. And that, that's a horrible feeling. Um, that being said, this, this podcast is actually going to be a positive podcast. I just want you to kind of get an understanding of, like, this is a journey that I've been on for the past year. So I got healed almost a year ago. And, uh, I've, I've been having to get used to using my body again, moving around, uh, gaining mobility, gaining strength again, uh, 
it, it's it's been a drive like i'll i'll get a little bit looser i'll get a bit more flexible i'll get a little bit stronger and i'm just encouraged to keep going on um i'm doing more things with my children i'm playing with my children again it doesn't hurt to play with my children and it's wonderful to actually be there and be in their lives and not be on the outside looking in kind of a thing like i feel like i'm i'm on the side before i felt like i was on the sidelines watching my wife parent and that was a horrible feeling but here i am again being a husband and being a father and i love it and we're all having to relearn and readjust and you know like for my youngest all he's known was how i was before i got healed uh so everyone is is relearning my wife is, is she said it's it's like getting to know you all over again and it, that kind of punches but at the same time it's like you know we're going to take this as an opportunity to fall in love with each other all over again and that's what it has been like god's grace has been on the whole thing my wife was immediately forgiving of everything she the way she says it was she knew it wasn't me like it didn't sound like me it didn't it didn't act like me like there was something that was obviously off uh and i would have good days and bad days and she's like when when you were yourself you were yourself but then and i'm still learning to get over that because to be the cause of pain for the family and then like not able to do anything about it not not able to fix that you know initially it, it was it was um pretty breaking at first but what could i do except for i mean all that i can do except for the right thing to do you know what i mean which is to be there and to love on them and to be patient with them and say, Hey, you know, I'm not like that no more. And in those moments, it's, it's, it's a mixed, uh, emotional roller coaster to say the least, but it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's not bad in the least. Um, it's been a crazy journey. One of many things. It's been a crazy journey. Um, my second son, just had his birthday he turned six on saturday and that's another thing is uh that boy is the physical embodiment of something the lord put back in me um it was when i got vision back it was when when i got unction back um Prior to my wife uh, being pregnant with him, it was uh, we we had come out of a really dark time. Then it's been like one fight after another. I'm just realizing that um, our pastors were away, uh, and the people that were in charge weren't who they said they were. Um, they had a to put it nicely, they had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. Like they love, like they would like to look like they're seeking Holy Spirit, look like they're seeking revival. But then when God shows up, they didn't want anything to do with them. And that's a form that's in a lot of churches uh, today. Like they're seeking revival. But the moment you say, well, start believing that God desires to pour revival out on you. And then, whoa, all of a sudden you're a heretic. Um, but we were very fortunate at the same time, our pastors came back revival, revival was on the verge of breaking. Um, God used our pastor to clean house and a lot of the, I will call them toxic because that's the, that's the N word now. That's the, um, that's the popular phrase or saying is toxic. Um, not everyone who left was toxic, but most of the people who were toxic left. Some people 
actually left to do the vision that God had them do. And I'm not calling them toxic. I'm, I'm happy for them, especially the ones that are continuing in the faith. Man, I love you guys. Y'all are wonderful. So not everyone who left, I'm calling toxic. And uh, none of us there really kind of think that. You know, if you left to do what God called you to do, man, Lord bless you. And, and I hope to see you very successful uh, on your walk with the Lord. And uh, we can talk about it in the kingdom. Um, you know, so not everyone who left was toxic, but all the toxic people left that kind of repeated myself. Let me continue on. Uh, so I got that vision. I got that unction. This was um, our pastor. Uh, gave us a wonderful opportunity to go to Los Angeles to sit under and learn from a church plant that was going on there. Uh, pastors Dylan and Cara, very wonderful people, very wonderful pastors, uh, full of wisdom, um, heavily anointed. And I feel very privileged to be able to sit under them and learn a lot from them. Um, I'm sure I wasn't the easiest person but I do appreciate it. And I hope one day they feel that, you know, the, the stress I might've caused would be worth it. Um, I hope they see fruit of my walk with the Lord and get encouraged by it. And, uh, while we were out there, we saw a desperate need for revival. And so that was wonderful to actually understand to any degree at all how bad I needed revival. And so while we were out there and we were only supposed to be out there for uh, a year to 18 months, that was the time frame our pastor gave us. And that was some wisdom right there. And so when 18 months were over, we headed back, but on our way back, Aubrey was uh, pregnant with our second son, uh, third child, second son. Uh, I have a son, a 10 year old son, eight year old daughter, six year old son, and a four year old son. So I got four and, uh, the Lord just told me immediately, like, she's gonna, she's gonna conceive and he's going to be a boy and his name's going to be Michael. And it was funny cause I, I was kind of annoying her. I was like, when, when can we get the gender reveal? When can we get the test? You know? And she was like, well, we don't know. We don't know. I was like, no, you don't know that I know, but I know you know, this is a boy, this is a boy. And because there's promise with this and, and his whole pregnancy, the pregnancy she had with him was great. And then the birth was fast to say the least. I was still helping her push and there he was, and I was still helping her push. And, and it took a second to realize, Oh, our, our son's right there. And it was, it was great. No time for all the precautionary measures that they wanted to take. Um, he was, he was ready and, and there he was. And he was a wonderful, wonderful baby boy, very easy going. And Michael is still just a wonderful boy. And I, I love all my children, but, um, the thing about him is, um, uh, we actually uh, lost a baby in between Abigail and Michael, and it hit us kind of hard. And we we were dealing with that at the same time we were dealing with um, like some toxic leadership at church. And God knew what He was doing, and He's really good at preserving His children, to say the least. And uh, he was able to heal a lot of those wounds and then get us up to speed by sending us out to Los Angeles. So, again, I greatly appreciate uh, my pastors and I greatly appreciate pastors Dylan and Cara uh, for their patience. And uh, it was great because uh, Pastor Dylan was constantly uh, pushing me to believe more and more for the Lord and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. It wasn't easy for me. It might've been easier for someone else if someone else were to do it, but it wasn't easy for me. But you know what? I appreciate it because he 
God used him to get me to a higher level of faith. And I just, I appreciate that. I, I love it. Uh, at any rate, what I wanted to mainly talk about is, uh, cause all the, all the other things, uh, we'll get to hear more in depth later. But what I wanted to talk about mainly was this vision that I had yesterday. So while I was there at church, at my church, Deliverance Bible Church, which is on 310 West Pipeline uh, in Hearst, Texas. If you don't know where that's at, you need to get there. Again, it's in Hearst, Texas, 76053, 310 West Pipeline Road. Um, you need to get there because revival has been going for some years now and i don't mean we're having we're having different church services we're not really having church services we're meeting with god big difference because you know church services you go you can expect the same thing you go in there's worship or you sing a hymn or something you know and then a pastor preaches a message and then there might be more uh hymn singing or or worship singing whatever denomination you're in whatever that thing they do that you know includes music and singing or no music and singing and then don't be too long-winded because the football game's coming on um and it kind of follows the same pattern uh every week but you're not really encountering god you might get revelations you might get your faith stirred up you might learn a thing and you might be able to seek god better on your own and all these things aren't bad especially seeking god on your own that that's that's paramount to any walk with the lord without that you have nothing so i'm not knocking any of that but the difference is with revival you're actually showing up and meeting with him like he's already there you could say in person he's already there and you're meeting with him and then he is healing you he's uh building you up he's talking to you uh you're just enjoying his presence he's enjoying your presence and you walk out different every time and better than when you than the way you came in always every time um and honestly that's that's what Jesus died on the cross for Jesus died on the cross for you to enjoy God's presence and for God to enjoy your presence. That's the whole reason why he died on the cross. You can summarize the entirety of Christianity up in that. And it's sad because that is so hard fought against. That is something that is seriously lacking. And most people say they have that, or a lot, I'll say this, a lot of people say they have that and have no idea what they're missing. Um, that's the thing about revival is it's essentially just him. It's just God. Like I can't explain what goes on in a revival necessarily other than peace, righteousness, enjoying the Holy spirit, uh, and communion with the father communion with God. I can't really get any more into that because you can't you can't say it's you know a strict abc one two three three the only thing i can guarantee is that god is getting lifted up flesh is getting put low jesus is getting glorified the devil is getting pushed back uh people are getting set free from oppression uh believers who are near death in their in their walk are coming back to life that's what revival is. Uh, like, like it says in Psalms, you know, revive or my dust, my soul clings to the dust of Lord. Revive me according to your word. That's exactly what happens in a revival. So, at any rate, during this revival meeting that I was having yesterday, uh, the Lord started talking to me, and He said, "DBC, don't get offended." And this can apply to anybody. Honestly, this this isn't a word that is inclusively for or exclusively for DBC, because uh, it 
it's this could apply to anybody, which is why I don't mind sharing it on a podcast. Uh, but he said specifically, DBC, don't get offended. And then he said, don't get offended because what I'm doing here, I'm about to do elsewhere and in lots of small pockets elsewhere. And it, you won't have any part of it. Like you won't be the cause of it. You won't be, you won't have any connection to it is what the Lord was saying. And he was saying, don't get offended. And then I had this vision <clears throat> there was a blacksmith that had this glowing hot it wasn't orange it was yellow glowing hot iron or steel ingot and he had it with the tongs and he set it on top of the anvil and he just struck it really hard really firm with his hammer and then all these sparks these huge sparks uh, you know, pieces of, of molten metal just scattered everywhere. They just like went in all directions. And I knew the Lord was talking to me in, in a way that I can understand That's scriptural. I knew what the Lord was saying by showing me that vision. And it was God saying he's going to have sporadic little, um, revivals just are going to start. And specifically, I got in North America. So Canada, United States, Mexico, there's going to be these sporadic uh, beginnings of revival that are going to happen uh, without causation uh, all across North America. And the Lord said, many people are looking to politicians and politics as the answer. And he's like, so because of that, I'm going to send my answer. And the Lord said, the, the heathen rage, the nations plot vain things. That's what the nations do. Nations, their nature is to rage and plot vain things. That's what the world does. It rages against God. It hates God. It comes against God. They collectively unite together to hate God. He said, that's what nations do. And my answer is always the same. I have appointed my Holy One on that hill in Zion. He said, the answer is what I've already done on the cross. And the point of what he did on the cross and why he did what he did on the cross was so we could have Acts 2, which is God stepping down, descending down from heaven and encountering man. See, in times past, in Moses' time, God commanded the people come up here with me on Mount Zion. He said he blew his his voice thundered and said, come up here with me. And the people responded, we can't go up there with you. Or else we'll die because you're holy and we're not. And the Lord said, "The Lord said, because you respond this way, because of your lack of faith, you answer correctly. If you were to come up here, you would die because you have no faith. So I'll ask for Moses to come up here and I'll be with him. And that's where he went up and he, uh, the Lord had written the commandments on the tablets uh, twice. And... But initially, God said, come up here with me. He asked man to ascend up to God. But because man wouldn't ascend up to God, and Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love towards us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, in his infinite wisdom, understood and decided he must descend down to us. Just like because of what Christ did in his blood, making intercession on our behalf, he reaches down into the depths of, of the filth and the mire, and he pulls us out of that mess, out of, out of our own demise. The very thing that would claim our lives, he pulls us out of that, out of that mess, and he sits us on the firm rock of Christ. Uh, and the whole reason, like I said earlier, the whole reason why Jesus bled and died on that cross was to bring man and God together again. So... For people to think that um, Holy Spirit is extracurricular, to think that he's an option, you can either have him or you don't, is completely preposterous. And I would submit to you, it's absolutely blasphemous. Um, I don't know anyone who's born again who doesn't want more of God. And I think that clear line needs to start being defined either... 
regardless of whatever kind of doctrine you have, I'm not saying we need to draw a doctrinal lines because my goodness, I am tired of 32 flavors of Christianity. Uh, a false church was able to rise and, and is thriving, unfortunately, because there's 32 different flavors of Christianity. Uh, and I'm talking about the Mormon church, if I'm not speaking clearly enough. Um, we don't need another flavor of Christianity, but it needs to be understood that Holy Spirit is a separate yet equal third person of the Godhead, of the triune God. He is just as much God as the Father is God, as Jesus is God. And he must be acknowledged as so. He really needs to be acknowledged as so. And it was extremely important that Jesus did what he did so that Holy Spirit could do what he does, which is he descended upon man. And now God and man can live together for all eternity through Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is the administrator of the salvation that Jesus provides. He's the one that actually takes that salvation and applies it to the sinner pleading for mercy. It's not Jesus. Jesus did the work already on the cross. He did it, and now uh, he's at the right hand of the Father, and his blood is currently constantly making intercession and will until the appointed time when God says enough is enough, but currently his blood is making intercession on our behalf, providing a way for any and all to come to salvation through the blood of Jesus. But it is expressly the Holy Spirit who witnesses our born-again experience. It is expressly Holy Spirit who is the collateral that God puts down saying, I will save you when you cry out for mercy. And that's according to Ephesians 1.13, that when you believe the gospel which was preached to you, that you'd be sealed to redemption with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's God's collateral. It's like getting a title loan, and Holy Spirit is the one who the title loan is pulled against. And it's salvation, and Holy Spirit's the collateral. God's saying, I can't swear any higher than myself. And so I'm swearing by myself that I will accomplish this. That is the pouring out of Holy Spirit onto all flesh. And the point was so that God can be with man. And it, and Holy Spirit is the executor of God's will and his desire to be with man. And if you have a problem with that, then you have a problem with God. Because that's just very basic face value Bible. That's not doctrine. That's not Pentecostal. I'm not a Pentecostal. I like a lot of things Pentecostals do. And then there's a lot of things I don't like that Pentecostals do. There's things that Baptists do that I like. And there's things that Baptists do that I don't like. What I don't like, regardless of their denomination, Baptist, Methodist, uh, whatever you name it, Assemblies of God, Assemblies of Christ, whatever the denomination is, one thing I don't like is substituting that work that only Holy Spirit can do with some action, i.e. come down to the altar and pray this prayer. I'm sorry, that's not going to save you. Um, people take water baptism and put it completely out of context. The dunking in water itself is not going to save you. It was an outward expression of something that you were currently believing God for. But it's belief, it's faith alone that saves us, not baptism. And if you want to get into this, in Matthew 28, when Jesus talks about this, he does say those that believe and are baptized are saved. But then here's the contrast. It says those that do not believe doesn't mention anything about not being baptized, but those that don't believe are condemned already. Meaning, although baptism did play a part in early first century Christianity, it it really doesn't mean the same thing nowadays because everyone gets baptized. It lost its meaning. A baptism, if you look at Levitical law, a baptism was a declaration of putting away of your old ways. Whether you were a Gentile, taken upon the Jewish ways to be accepted amongst the Jews and, and a believer of God, you would, you would, um, shave your head. You would, uh, shave, you'd shave your whole head much like a slave would, a slave that was to become a wife. You would shave your whole head and then you would ceremoniously dunk in this and, and water, which is a baptism. And it was to represent a passing from death to life. And you were to take upon the Lord, essentially, in the Old Testament. And 
baptism was applied to that, and it was also applied to a priest. And both have wonderful, deep, manifold meanings in baptism. But the baptism itself is not salvation, and neither can anyone rightfully claim so. It's strictly believing God. And so I, I have issue with people that are trying to substitute the work that only Holy Spirit can do. And sometimes it's out of ignorance. And I understand that because it's been taught for so long in the Western world, you have to do things a certain way. We've had these big time evangelists go through uh, the whole world, uh, Europe, you know, I'm thinking like um, Kenneth Copeland and Billy Sunday and I've got nothing against these guys. I, I, I love their, you know, there's a lot to learn from the both of them. I'm not saying they're false preachers at all. But one thing I don't like is something uh, Sunday and, and Moody did uh, that it became like a thing to do. I understand why they initially started it, uh, but why it became a thing to do. And then it just became the thing that was done was uh, come down to the altar and pray this prayer. Now, I know why it started, and I think how things got started was great. I'm not knocking it at all. And, and again, I'm not knocking their ministries at all. They're both wonderful men of God that have done a lot for God. You know, anyone who can get behind the Iron Curtain and preach the gospel, I've got no quarrel with. You know what I mean? Because regardless of how you, you know, finish your, your gospel preaching, you know, you, people often need an ABC, a one, two, three kind of thing. I get it. I understand, you know, but you got behind I, like Russia's iron curtain and you got to preach, you know, you got behind communist lines and you got to preach the gospel. I definitely don't have any quarrels with you. Like, let me just get this out. Like my, my thing isn't to point out false preachers right now. It's, it's understanding that this is a thing that is now done. That's not really biblical, but it's like accepted as biblical. And I think we need a moment where like the bronze serpent, where we just tear this thing down. Like it had a purpose when, when, when it was made, if you know the story of the bronze serpent, there was these fiery uh, snakes that were biting the, the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness because they were gossiping about Moses, they would get bitten and so they cried out to Moses and the Lord told Moses, make, make these two bronze serpents and put them on a stake or put, uh, suspend them in the air on a stake. And when people look at them and believe, uh, although they were bitten, the venom won't hurt them. And uh, later on, they became idols in Israel. Uh, there was a king that kind of made them a monument and kind of like, um, what you call it? What are those things called where you have you have a statue of a god? A shrine. They were kind of like a shrine, and uh, it became detestable in the in the eyes of the Lord. And then they had to destroy it. And it was good that they destroyed it because then it was no longer a thing that was taking the place of God. And that's the thing: is like coming down and saying the prayer, or closing your eyes and bowing your heads and raising your hands has become a thing. They've become a bronze serpent, and those things need to go um, because they've become a bronze serpent, like because they've become a thing, they need to go because there should never be any false assurance in any action that one can take. And someone mistake that for their salvation. Salvation should be solely, it, it should be understood and should be solely placed on God did a thing in my life. And I don't talk about a gradual work. I'm talking about there was a moment and there might be gradual works, but there is a moment in time where you have an encounter with God and he takes away your stony cold dead heart and he puts in you a heart filled with the love of God. And you have this born again encounter. He breathes a Holy Spirit breathes new life into you. He puts a new spirit in you because your old spirit was dead because of sin. And Holy Spirit puts a new spirit in you. You have to have that born again encounter. And there's nothing no church can do that can they can successfully replace that. And uh, Holy Spirit needs his place. He needs a throne in people's hearts uh, because he is very much just as much God as, as the rest of God. And honestly, without him, we have no Christianity. Without Holy Spirit, Jesus couldn't have done any of the miracles he did because everything he did, he did as a man who believed in God, though he was 100% God clothed in flesh. He purposely handicapped himself as God. 
he essentially tied his hands behind his back in a boxing match, essentially, by humbling himself and being born a virgin, being born human with human tendencies and human yearnings and self-preservation nature, which he dealt with in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, where he's sweating great drops of blood and he's saying, God, if you can remove this cup from me, then do it. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He had to break his very human nature and the very, um, the, the very core of our engineering that God put in us, he had to break that so that he, with great joy, died on the cross on our behalf. But he, my point being, he took on humanity. He became, he was 100% God, but he became 100% human on purpose. And he did this and showed us what it looks like to be a man who believes in God and does everything by the power of the Holy Spirit as a man who believes in God. That's what you have to understand. We as, as Westerners, like for some reason, we can easily get that he was God uh, in the guise of man. Like we get this picture of like there's this there's this flesh sack filled with God. And so bits of Godness kind of eked out in the miracles. But what we don't understand is not only was he 100% God, he was 100% man and purposely did everything up into salvation, did everything. Like his whole ministry was just a man who believed in God. People have a hard time with that. And you have to understand that without Holy Spirit, there is no Christianity. Without Holy Spirit, I shouldn't have given up drinking. I should have continued my debaucherous lifestyle because without Holy Spirit, everything would have been meaningless. Without Holy Spirit, Jesus wouldn't have been able to raise from the dead because he did so as a man who placed his faith and trust in his heavenly father, who he believed was his heavenly father and who factually was his father, but who believed he was his father because he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He trusted the father even to the point of death and God showed his approval by raising him. What does scripture say? With the power of Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power we have over sin and temptation. It's the same Holy Spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because he did everything as a man who believed in God. He lived, he was God, but he lived a sinless life because he believed and had faith in God. He did his powerful ministry that his three years of ministry has shook the earth to the point where now we base our entire timeline off of his three years of ministry as a man who believed in God. He showed us the way as a man who believed in God by power of Holy Spirit. We need to put Holy Spirit back in the place that he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be on the throne in our hearts. He's supposed to be God in us, through us, around us, above us, below us, in front of us, beside us, behind us. Because the Father, he's in heaven. Jesus, he's at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit is, is God who's here with us now. Jesus was Emmanuel. He was God with us, but he is no longer with us here on the earth. Holy Spirit is now with us here on the earth. Now we have access to God through the blood of Jesus, but it's Holy Spirit who applies the sacrifice of Christ to the individual who pleads, pleads for mercy. Everything comes back to, and at the core of everything, is Holy Spirit. Just like at the core of a blood cell is, is an iron molecule. And without that thing, everything is screwed up. Believe me, without Holy Spirit, everything else falls apart. And it doesn't live long at all. It may... Have a form of liveliness, but it is dead. And without Holy Spirit, there is no life in it. And that's just, that's the fact. I went on a long tangent. I was talking about the vision. Let me get back to that vision. So I saw the, the blacksmith strike the iron and, or strike the ingot and metal just scattered everywhere. And the Lord said, uh, People are looking for politics, but I'm not going to answer with politics because that's where everyone's looking. I'm going to do something. And I saw a revival hitting in these isolated churches out in the middle of nowhere or having nothing to do with revival. They weren't necessarily seeking revival. Maybe they knew like they needed more of God, but at the same time, they weren't actively chasing revival. But God says, I'm going to answer 
the heathen raging and the nations plotting vain things by sending my spirit, by pouring my spirit out on churches abroad. That's my answer. And I thought it was very, very significant. I think it was needed. But also, I wanted to get this out because he said, don't be offended. So if your church is experiencing a revival, man, let me know. I would love, I would love to hear about it. Get a hold of me on Instagram. Uh, just kill the preacher, Kenneth Davis. You just look for that. You'll find me. Uh, it'll, it'll have kill the preacher podcast, the, the same, uh, logo that, that'll be on this podcast. It'll, it'll be my profile pic. So you'll find me. Tell me about what's going on in your church. I would love to hear whatever God's doing. Or if you want me to partner with you and saying, I want revival. I want God to show up in our church. Man, let me know. I'll partner with you. I will partner with anyone that wants more of God. Let me know. Find me on Instagram. Hit me up. <clears throat> Send me a message. I'll partner with you. Uh, my wife, she also has a podcast, Aubrey CD Speaks. You can look her up on, on Instagram also. Aubrey Cabano Davis. Cabano hyphen Davis. Uh, ladies, if you want prayer for anything, hit her up. She would be more than happy to partner with you. Uh, on anything. You can find us on Instagram, send us messages, let us know what God's doing uh, in your church. If you're a pastor and you want someone to pray with you, man, I ain't going to judge you one bit because I know you're, you're a brother just like me. You're a dude just like me. I understand some people put you on pedestals that that are are much higher than should be expected of any individual. Man, I will partner you uh, with you on anything, and I will tell you what. If you're going through any dark place right now, man, there ain't nothing you've done. Especially if you're feeling conviction from Holy Spirit right now, it's not to shame you. It's God's grace for you, and He's telling you to pick up the axe head and just boldly enter the throne front throne room of grace. He's just He just wants that honesty. He just wants. Whatever you've done, whatever you're going through, he just wants you to be open and honest with him. And he will accept you. He will receive you. You're not too far gone. Uh, if you need to talk about it, hit me up. I'll pray with you. I'll be partnering with you because I want you to succeed. I don't even care what denomination you are. I want you to succeed in your walk with God. I want you to succeed so your congregation succeeds. I want all of you to finish strong in the Lord, to be a mature bride of Christ. Man, hit me up. I will gladly pray for you guys. I will gladly pray with you and partner with you guys. And if you have questions about anything, there won't be a single answer that I give you that won't be from the Scripture. A lot of times what I'll just give you is Scripture. But if you'll, if you'll listen to what I have to say at face value and take the Scripture for face value, it'll help you because that's what helps us all. Our lives and the circumstances of our lives often try to challenge the truths of the Bible. But the, the fact is, the Bible is absolutely true. And so what we need to hear is what the scripture has to say. But hit me up. Again, no shame. No shame in anyone. Uh, might be struggling with whatever. Any brother out there. You may not be a pastor, but any brother out there, you're struggling with whatever. Man, there ain't nothing you struggled with that Jesus himself didn't feel the temptation for. It says in Hebrews that our high priest, Jesus, knows every temptation that we've dealt with and sympathizes with us and has a way for us, has provided a way for us. And that way, again, it says, step in the throne room of grace boldly, boldly. There's an earnest expectation of grace for believers. That's the whole reason why you came to Christ, was to be completely cleansed and free from your sin. And nothing changes even as a believer who sins. Like, you have to understand, the Father is not ashamed of you. He knew everything you would ever do and paid for it already in the blood of Jesus. And God will not be upset with you. It says in Hebrews 12, and read for yourself, that our fathers, although they correct us with indignation, our Heavenly Father corrects us in perfect patience because His desire is just that our lives be made better. He's not even mad when He corrects us. He just desires for you to have a better life. So, man, there's no shame. Because I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be honest with you. What a lot of people think when I'm talking about struggling, they immediately default to pornography. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what you're struggling with. But I'm telling you, grace is the answer. And when you can get a hold of grace, there's all, all of a sudden, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, all of a sudden, then temptation isn't 
isn't as powerful at all because you understand the father loves you. And that's something else that says in James that, uh, lust when it's conceived becomes sin, sin when it's fully mature becomes death. That it draws us to forget that we're sons and daughters of God. But if we abide in that grace and we abide in the love of the father, we don't forget. And thus we're not drawn away. Okay. I'm telling you uh, facts in the middle of whatever you struggle with. This is what our pastor says in the middle of what you're struggling with. The moment that you have a, a, a moment where you realize, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of the sin, man, just start praising God. Start praising God because you can praise God because the blood of Jesus has already paid for your sin. Just start praising God. You start praising God in the middle or even right after. You you you, you do something and you're like, oh man, I just sinned. I messed up bad. Just start praising God. Just saying, God, I worship you and thank you for the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that sin will lose its power because the power that, that draws us so much to that sin and tries to enslave us and tell us we're enslaved, like before we got born again, the power in that is in shame. And if you don't feel the shame, it doesn't have power, I'm telling you. And then you don't, you don't care to do it no more. It's, it's just facts. Uh, this, is, this has gone on a little bit longer than what I've expected. Let me move on. So there's sporadic, there's going to be sporadic revivals. Um, I've read about them before. Um, I've believed they're going to happen again, but now he's given me a word that they're going to happen again. And this is going to prepare for a great awakening. Now, an awakening is different from revival. Revivals are essential for believers so that believers come alive again. An awakening is for people that don't believe. This is for them to come to Christ. This is for them to come to repentance. And people often confuse the two. People often think that the church needs to repent. And when the church repents and, and comes to Christ, that that's revival. And I'm not doubting people needed to repent who are part of a church and needed to come to Christ. But that's not revival. Revival is when people who are born again are quickened back to life. Like it says in King James, like they're brought back to life. They're resuscitated by the presence of God, by the power of Holy Spirit. An awakening is when... People who aren't born again, people who aren't believers, realize they're not born again, understand that they have sinned against God and provoked him to wrath, and then repent of their sins and cry out to him for mercy, and then God responds with the born again experience on on any kind of scale. That's that's an awakening. And the purpose of the sporadic revivals is to get us ready, get get uh, North America ready for north american awakening for another great awakening that's what he told me and that's the answer to this this problem and the devil is using uh this globalist agenda um let me i can't stress this enough i am not a republican i am not a democrat i don't like either honestly both of them are crap right now both of them are lying to your faces a lot of them um you you have some earnest people um, on both sides of the aisle, you have some earnest people that are um, ignorant or or just delusional about you know the truth of their political party. Like they're almost oblivious to it. Like they're not like the rest, but in a good way. You have that on both sides of the aisle. But I am not Democrat. I am not Republican. Honestly, I don't care two flips if Trump gets in office again or not. Okay, so this is not political. Uh, but I will tell you that, well, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I won't, I won't even get on that because again, the Lord said his answer is not with politics. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe the answer is not going to be in a politician. Um, I believe the answer is going to be in you, uh, any and everyone who's hearing this, you are the answer to this globalist agenda. Oh, that's what I was telling you that there, there is a, the devil is operating heavily in the realm of politics um, that's some of the reason why I have talked a lot about politics in my podcast is because it's, it's issues that I believe needed addressing and needed the truth spoken to. And, uh, he's using heavily this thing called the world economic forum. Again, I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican, but you need to be leery of anyone who's tries to, uh, preach a unified world that we're all under the same banner. We all have the same currency. 
world peace, this, that, and the other. And the reason why I say that is because at face value, it may sound great. It may sound great to have world peace, but you have to understand how world peace is achieved. And the fact that people say one thing, but it has underlying meanings, you need to understand that. And this is one of those things like China right now, what they're pushing to their people and what they're propagating is they're trying to unite the world in, in a one world peace system. And it's mean old America who's getting in the way and we need to take care of mean old America. Like there, this is, you can find this on Twitter. This is Chinese Twitter. It's the CCP regulated, um, propaganda coming out of, out of China. And you need to be leery of anyone who, uh, is trying to establish any kind of empire because if nothing else, if nothing else, the Lord said that he say he he will save uh, from every tribe, every member, every every tongue. God loves our cultural diversities. First of all, he scattered us and confused our languages. He made it this way on purpose. And it was to prevent us from going to the Tower of Babel. But also anyone historically who has ever tried to like, quote unquote, unify the world has done so through the deaths of many, 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 many people. Uh Communist Russia is responsible for deaths in the millions. I think it's like 8 million deaths. Uh, Hitler tried to unify under under his uh, Nazi doctrine. You know, European nationalist revival is what he said. And that's what he preached. And then the very tools that he was using for public health were the very instruments of the deaths of many, 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 many uh, Jews and gypsies and homosexuals and you know we can keep on going in history uh you had alexander the great you had uh xerxes you had darius you had many that tried to unify a massive group of people and they did so with an iron fist and at the expense of many many lives and life is precious in the eyes of the lord so he's not for the mass unification of one people under one culture. And he's not trying to get rid of uh, everyone's culture and make it this quote unquote Christian culture. Uh, he, he may be trying to remove false gods and idols, but he's not trying to get rid of like the music, the language, the dress that the people have. You know what I mean? There, there's the, Christ will actually uh, make things, things more, more, um, he makes everything better. Like I'm, I'm lacking the word to describe it, but it's like, no, he, he, he makes these things about other people's cultures, more exuberant, more attractive, more, more wonderful. And, and, uh, he enriches the culture is what I was trying to say. He doesn't exterminate. He enriches the culture. And so he's not trying to get rid of culture, uh, nor is he trying to make everyone speak English. Uh, the, the British empire, another good example, um, I could tell you that wasn't God's will. It's not God's will that all of us unite, uh, especially at the cost of so many lives. Not in the sense where we're all the same culture, the same tongue, the same skin color. Like he doesn't want a bunch of, he doesn't want a world full of uh, just people of one color speaking one language. Uh, he wants different languages. He wants different tribes. He wants different tongues. He wants you know, different cultures. He loves every aspect about humanity uh, because he made us uh, for for his great love in, in his great love, through his great love. He made all these different cultures. So anyone who's trying to push this globalist agenda, like you need to watch out because we're not meant to be. Um, there's a certain level and I and there's no clear cut level at which uh, governing a group of people is is acceptable and which isn't. But like. There's meant to be different countries. There's meant to be different languages and there's meant to be different cultures and we shouldn't all unify. And that doesn't mean that we can't just because we're different cultures. That doesn't mean that we'll all go to war with each other because we're different. Actually, it's more beautiful when we're all different and we can unify together under our common cause. Like that's what made that's what has made America so beautiful. And that's what in light of recent years, the globalists are trying to uh, erase from your memory is some people used to say that the United States was like a melting pot of different cultures. And I, I would argue to say that the United States was like a well-tossed salad because there was different distinguishable bits that made up 
the entire thing and it was all good. It was all great. And that's the beautiful thing about America is we, there, America is full of different cultures. We have different peoples and different languages that are spoken, some of them natively here in the United States, and then some of them from uh, immigrants from 200, 300 years ago, some of them recent immigrants. All of it is beautiful, and all of us unite under the common cause that we are all American. You know, that is that is the beauty of America. We have our differences, and yet we we share this common bond that we're all American. This is This is my home. This is your home. And we're neighbors and we're brothers and we will unite together despite our differences to achieve a common goal or task. That's what the globalists are trying to make you forget. But honestly, that's the America that I remember growing up and even into my 20s. That's what we were. And uh, I, I would I would encourage you to remember that, that that is the truth. And be leery of these globalists. Uh, narratives that are being pushed um when when the news is saying that the majority of americans who for believing the american way are are the terrorists and they try to push everyone into the category of of a republican they want to throw me in that category but i'm not a republican at all i just believe in individual rights i believe in individual freedoms but that's what they're categorizing everyone as a Republican, and they're saying that's a threat to the United States. That's not a threat to the United States. That's a threat to the insurgency that has infiltrated the United States. And that insurgency, that globalist insurgency, is not the United States. They've managed to weasel their way into the top, uh, some of them extremely obvious, some of them not so obvious. Uh, but we're only, a threat in, we're only a threat to those who want to threaten our freedoms. And... Uh, it's the freedom we've always had. We're still the same peace-loving, peace-seeking Americans we've always been. There's just those at top that want to say that everyone who believes in individual freedoms is a terrorist. And I don't see how that could be when we want peace and prosperity for everyone. Um, even if you... That's the great thing about America. Even if you're like, no, I think communist is great. Well, this is America and you're free to think so. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you, but I'm not trying to kill you over it. That's what makes America, America, is we can have our disagreements and we can still respect each other at the end of the day. Now, as a Christian, I've learned to respect people as people, as something precious to God. Uh, even those who claim to be Christian, we're going to have our doctrinal differences, and that's okay. I don't expect you to believe like me, and you shouldn't expect me to believe like you. But if we're both born again, if we're both uh, believe in God for salvation, then, you know, we'll have an eternity to talk about these differences or to laugh about it. Uh, I'm willing to bet more on the latter one. But at any rate, um, I, I did kind of ramble about some things because September is a significant month for my wife and I and my family. But uh, I wanted to get that vision out. Oh, there was another thing he said that, uh, and I don't have clarity on, on what this means yet. I'm not quite sure. Maybe someone who's listening to this uh, message me, let me know. But I heard him say from the sick you, the sick you tree, he said, I'll do a thing. From the sick you tree, I will sprout a mighty oak. I have a feeling that whenever that happens, happens, I'll understand what that means. But at the moment, I am clueless. But... Um, Whatever that means. I just wanted to get this on a podcast, record it, so I can finally tell my wife, hey, remember when I said that one thing? Well, you can listen to my podcast, and, and uh, I said it already. No, I'm joking. But there's been many a times I tell my wife, don't you remember me saying that this was going to happen? She's like, no. It's like, well, I didn't have any proof about it. So now when the Lord tells me something, it's something that I can share on a podcast, I'm going to do so. So with that being said, um, I hope you've been blessed. I hope you're encouraged. And if anything, start believing that God can use you for revival. If you're born again, if you are spirit filled, if you have complete and total access to God by the blood of Jesus, you are 100% a candidate and God is desiring to pour revival into you and revival can start from you. You just have to believe that the only things that you don't have, that the Bible says you could have, you don't have them because somewhere you don't quite believe for it. And that's okay because that's all of us on some level. And that's the wonderful journey about life is we're all learning and discovering how to believe God for more things that God 
says about himself. And it's a lifelong journey. If you can accept this and and just take it and then run with it, you can go much further. So just understand, God's desire is to pour revival out through you, for you, and for your born-again brothers and sisters that you know. He wants to revive them too. Um, just understand that it could start with you, and that's okay. And if you can understand that you don't have to worry about getting big-headed about it if you're not big-headed, uh, then you don't have to worry about getting big-headed. Um, that's a whole other can of worms for another thing. But for those who are going to understand, they're going to get what I'm saying and just understand revival could start through you and for you. Because honestly, we're in a time where uh, certain times and seasons are kind of speeding up and the world needs us to be revealed as the sons and daughters of God. The earth is groaning and it's getting impatient, but it's waiting, but it needs us to become the children of God. Uh, that we see ourselves on the inside, that we see because God tells us we need to become those on the outside uh, because everything is kind of coming to to a pinnacle, to a point. And we're either going to have to walk the walk or it's going to make us, you know, yeah. But be encouraged. Believe about God what you know God has told you. And believe that God wants to do revival through you. And I hope this encourages you. So with that being said, this has been the Kilted Preacher. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed.